Welcome to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. And along with my brother Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Rick, I'm just fresh off of a prophecy conference in Peoria, Illinois. Had a great time with our folks there, our listeners in that area. They're so knowledgeable about Bible prophecy. They even challenged me. And I'm looking forward to our program that we have today. Rick, three words on our program today I want folks to know. Insurrection, infiltration, and imminent. And those are three words that belong in our new DVD project that we did with our father, The Destiny of America. It is, Jimmy. God established America with a purpose in mind to have the prophetic scenario of God's word come to fulfillment. But the United States, as we established in previous DVDs, is not mentioned in Bible prophecy. Since America is not mentioned in Bible prophecy, we must ask a question. How does America disappear? How does America disappear? And that's the question we're going to answer on today's program. We're going to preview again our DVD, this project that is now out, and it is gaining popularity. I want people to understand that this is the third of a trilogy. Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy, our first. Is the United States and Bible Prophecy, our second. And this one, The Destiny of America. We have Sharam Hadian, Colonel Bob McGinnis, Jim Hammond, of course, anchored by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, David James, Brandon House, Ken Timmerman, and myself are all on this DVD. And today we're going to preview it, Rick. And I'm so looking forward to answering those questions that we ask about insurrection, infiltration, and the imminent event, the rapture of the church. Well, let's get started with our first broadcast partner, one that was on the DVD with us. Well, that's right, Jimmy. Ken Timmerman joins us today. He was one of the guests on the Destiny of America DVD that we're talking about today. He's an author, an analyst, an expert in geopolitical affairs. Ken, thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me on, Rick. It's always a pleasure. Well, Ken, we have as our theme of the program today talking about Destiny of America, as you know, and we look at external and internal threats to America. And we talk about that on this program just about every week. And so we're going to continue talking about that right now. We're going to talk, first of all, about China. It looks like they are starting to flex their political and military muscle again. Rick, you know, when we taped that film, just not too long before your father passed away, we were watching a rising China. We were looking at all the signs of future Chinese power. Today, not much later, we are watching what happens when China is actually flexing the muscles of the power it has already acquired. Mm. Uh, This is a superpower in the making. They are very close to attaining that status. Remember that their goal is to be the world's hegemon. They've been saying for many years, by 2049, the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Revolution, but it now looks like it's going to be more like 2024. Just recently, we saw the Chinese saber rattling. They were holding military exercises, uh, bracketing Taiwan, showing the Taiwanese that they had all of the capabilities that they needed to launch a successful invasion. They have so far tested their ballistic missile capabilities to knock out key Taiwanese defense installations. They've shown that they have a Navy capable of carrying ships. They've demonstrated their Air Force capabilities. I believe there is a real risk of a Chinese communist invasion of Taiwan before the end of Biden's first term because they see that Biden is weak. 
and now is the time to strike. Very concerning story there inside our own shores. Well, not only are they flexing their economic and their military muscle, but their diplomatic muscle now as well. They are becoming the world's negotiator, as evidenced by the peace uh, that they've negotiated between Saudi Arabia and Iran, which not everybody is happy about. The Chinese are in particular trying to secure their oil supplies. The reason that they negotiated diplomatic relations, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a peace between Iran and Saudi Arabia, but at least a resumption of diplomatic relations Mm. is because the Chinese want to make sure they have a guaranteed supply of oil. Remember, they don't produce that much oil of their own. They are dependent on oil imports and their two biggest sources are Saudi Arabia and Iran. If those two countries are warring with each other, if they shut the Strait of Hormuz, for example, that would cut off China's oil supplies and that would be a disaster. Well, Iran, the next member of the trio that we're going to talk about today, they are supposedly saying that they're flexing their military muscle. They're saying that they have forced a U.S. submarine to the surface. You know, Rick, we've talked many times over the years of uh, uh, Iranian regime chest thumping when it comes to military claims. Uh, They claim that they manufacture fighter jets, for example. They don't. Uh, You know, they make all kinds of claims about their military, some of which are true, some of which are false. This one appears to be false. The United States sent a nuclear-powered guided missile submarine, the Florida, into the Indian Ocean not very long ago. This is a former ballistic missile-carrying submarine. It has been reconverted as a special forces delivery vehicle, as well as a submarine capable of launching cruise missiles that would target ground facilities inside Iran. This is not done very often, but they did not transit the Strait of Hormuz, which is where the Iranians claim they forced it to surface. The Strait of Hormuz and the Persian Gulf, Rick, is a very shallow body of water, less than 200 feet deep and clear in most of the places in the center. So you can actually see submarines down on the bottom. My guess is, Rick, if the Florida were to sail through the Strait of Hormuz, it would be on the surface so everybody could see it and it would be there to deter Iranian aggressive military actions. One thing we do know for sure that they are doing, Ken, they are supplying the third member of our trio, Russia, with drones uh, to use in the war with Ukraine. Well, they are. And we know that because we've seen those drones after the Ukrainians have shot them down. They've been able to identify them. They've seen the parts. They know that they're made in Iran. And for a while there, it looked like the Russians had run out of drones. They were not using them in the battle. And just this past week, uh, the Ukrainians have said they've shot down uh, something like 21 of 26 Shahid drones that the Russians launched uh, this week. That's after we saw a drop in those drone attacks by the Russians. So it looks like the Iranians have stepped up their production, stepped up their deliveries, and they are a military as well as strategic partner for Russia. Well, Ken, we look at these three nations, Russia, Iran, and China, and you take the combined economic, military, the the vast energy reserves, the sheer amount of people and land in this world. You're looking at a trio that is very influential, if not the major influence in the world today. Where does America fit in this new world order? Well, Rick, America increasingly appears to be sidelined. And the new world order, as you say, is that end times alliance between Russia, China and Iran. And this is something I think we should be very concerned about. This is a sign of the times. These three countries are pulling steadily closer. We've been tracking this for many years on this program, but 
really, I would say in the past year and a half, the signs have become irrevocable. They have become so overwhelming. Even the national media in the United States is talking about this Russia-China-Iran alliance, something that they did not do a couple of years ago. Uh, America is increasingly sidelined. We have a weak president, a weak administration. We have pulled out of the Middle East. We are not supporting Israel the way that we did just two and a half years ago under Donald Trump. And again, you have a president of the United States who believes that the mullahs in Tehran are better allies than a Jewish government in Israel. It's quite dramatic, quite a big shift in our policy. And my fear is, as I said earlier, we will see a Chinese invasion of Taiwan, or at least a huge challenge to freedom of navigation in the Taiwan Strait before Joe Biden leaves office. Ken, very concerning. Well, Ken, I'd like to ask you one final question. And when I look at a worldview, I have a Christian worldview. I'm a believer. I believe the Holy Scriptures are the inspired Word of God. So I'm a believer first. But Ken, I also am a patriotic American. I love my country. I think the country has been a force for good. It has been a base for evangelism throughout the world. So I also, secondary to me being a Christian, I also consider myself a patriotic American, and I'm concerned for our country. Can you tell me where do you think America is headed? Rick, you should be concerned for our country. I see America in decline. Uh, I see America no longer leading the world. Uh, I see a president of the United States who is faltering, not just physically, not just mentally, but also in his leadership skills. And remember your father uh, in that last video that we did together. He was looking for the place of America in the end times scriptures. He did not find that. He said that America is blessed insofar as we bless Israel. And that has been true for many, many years. But guess what? We are starting to bless Israel an awful lot less. At least our government is starting to bless Israel an awful lot less than they did in the past. And I think that could truly be a sign that we are moving towards the end time scenario that we see in God's Holy Scripture. I agree with you 100%, Ken. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, thank you so much for all that you do to keep our listeners informed during these harrowing times. But we know, we do know how the end plays out, and that is the confidence that we have. Ken, thank you so much for being on our video. For those that are listening to this program and like what you hear about Ken, you can find out more about him by going to KenTimmerman.com. Ken, thanks so much. Thanks so much, Rick. And you can sign up for weekly emails from me as well from that website. God bless. Great job, Ken. Rick, as we think about this, the uh, alliance that Ken was talking about, China, Iran, and Russia, as they are coming together and they're working together, of course, uh, Ezekiel 38 incorporates Russia and Iran, and then kings out of the east in Revelation 16, that is China. And it's going to be confronted by the empire of the beast or the Antichrist, which is the revived Roman Empire. That's Revelation chapter 17. God puts in their hearts to fulfill his will. And that is taking place today. We're going to have to take a break. And when we come back, our Middle East news update with David Dolan. And David's going to be talking about what is taking place in Israel, especially this next week, uh, as we just went through Holocaust Remembrance Day and Independence Day in the future. Let's take a break right here on Prophecy Today Weekend.
I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Christians are facing increasing pressure in Uganda. Pastors regularly face acid attacks and beatings simply for sharing the gospel. In western Uganda, Muslim extremists bombed one church's Good Friday service. Teach Beyond responds to this persecution with the love of Christ. In fact, they're building a new trade school to help teen moms gain life skills and gospel hope. Ask God to strengthen his followers in Uganda. Meanwhile, the International Monetary Fund released its five-year forecast earlier this month. IMF predicts that the global economy will only grow 3% each year for the next five years. It's the weakest outlook since 1990, and it's probably not the news you want to hear if you're approaching retirement. Only one thing remains constant amid life's turmoil, and that's Jesus. Resources from Ron Hutchcraft Ministries will help you grow closer to Christ, and we'll connect you at missionnews.org. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries, I'm Ruth Kramer. Have you ever wanted to know more about God's plan for the future? Have you ever tried to understand prophetic passages in God's Word, like, say, the book of Revelation, and been frustrated at not being able to figure it out? Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest CD series, Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, will help you gain the ability to understand where to start in your study of prophecy and allow you to read God's Word in a new and exciting way. Understanding God's prophetic Word will allow you to live a pure and productive life until Jesus returns for the church. Keys will help you gain the tools you need to understand the end-time events as foretold in God's Word. Dr. DeYoung lays out a systematic approach to Bible prophecy for those who want to know God's plan for the future. Tracks included are A Roadmap Through the End Times, The Jew in Jerusalem, Daniel and the Antichrist, Ezekiel and Messiah's Temple, and Revelation and Babylon. To order your copy of Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today Radio, the program that looks at current events in the light of Bible prophecy. Well, this is our Middle East news update, and we look at news from all over the Middle East, and particularly Israel. To do that, we have with us today journalist Dave Dolan. Dave, thank you for joining us. Blessed to be with you, Rick. Well, Dave, we have many things to get to today, many things to look at. Uh, We're going to talk about Iran. We're going to talk about some of the things taking place in Israel with the Remembrance Day and Memorial Day. But I wanted to start off with a quick update. There's a lot going on in Sudan right now. It has been not in the news a whole lot, but it's starting to become more and more prominent. Can you let us know what is taking place in Sudan? Well, Rick, it's very important, actually, even though, as you said, in the U.S. media, it's not getting much attention. It is in other parts of the world. Basically, we have a full civil war now going on in the country. We had uh, General Abdel Fattah Buram overthrow the uh, ruling, long-ruling dictator of Sudan uh, three or four years ago, and he's been effectively in control, but he's also, of course, a military leader. And um, he was working with another general, Mohammed Hamdan Delago, who headed a rapid support forces unit in the military, working with him to overthrow the former leader. And then they've been cooperating ever since until recently. And they started having clashes. And now there's an all-out power struggle going on between the two men as to see who will rule Sudan. Now, why is this important to the world and to Israel? Well, in Israel's case, of course, one of the four signers of the Abraham Accords under President Trump's tutelage was Sudan, was Abdel Fattah Burham. He signed on and said, we will make peace with the Jewish state. And of course, widely welcomed in Israel and then Prime Minister Netanyahu and others. And then the Israeli 
Deputy Foreign Minister visited there in early uh, February this year, Ellie Cohen, he announced afterwards that a formal peace treaty would be signed soon in Washington, D.C. Well, that apparently is not going to happen. The country's falling apart. The U.S. is massing troops in next door Djibouti at a U.S. base there to be ready to evacuate the U.S. Embassy in Khartoum. Khartoum's the capital. It's over five million people. It's riddled with fighting. The food supplies have been cut off and water and other things. So basically a major conflict has broken out just south of Egypt, just across the Red Sea from Saudi Arabia, and just southwest of Israel. So it's strategically very, very important. And Rick, I just might add, biblically, I was always dubious that Sudan would actually sign on to the Abraham Accords uh, finally, and that's because of Ezekiel 38, a prophecy you know well and I know well and many of our listeners that lists the countries that would eventually in the end days come against Israel, led by Rush, who many believe is Russia, Turkey involved, Persia, Iran involved, and then North Africa, Libya, and then many Bible versions say Ethiopia to the south of Egypt, but the version I have in my hand right now lists it as Sudan, as others do as well, because it was south of Egypt that the area was in ancient times when that prophecy was written. So it seems to me that the pro-Russian, oh, I didn't mention that, that, <laughs> that the uh, rebel uh, general is strongly supported by Moscow and the Kremlin. This has been for some time now. They've been massing, uh, sending them weapons and, and other aid and support. So really, this is turning into a proxy war between a pro-American, pro-Israel current leader, although not elected, but the general leading the military government, and this Delego, General Delego, who is opposing him. So we see some biblical implications to all of this as well. Certainly an obvious implication as we look at Russia's involvement there and we look at uh, the Ezekiel 38. Seems like many things are coming together. Another nation that is mentioned there in Ezekiel 38 is Iran. We have several news stories coming out of Iran this week. The first one I'd like you to talk about is an exiled Iranian crown prince visited Israel. He did. Uh, Crown Prince Reza Pahlavi, the son of the late Shah of Iran, who was overthrown in 1979. I remember that. I was already working in radio when that happened. He's been in exile in the United States for many years. He was invited to Israel for their uh, annual Holocaust Memorial uh, Day. And he accepted that. He was invited by a Knesset member, but uh, supported by the government. He came. He gave a speech. He gave a press conference. He became quite emotional. He said he's been welcomed into Israel very strongly, and people have been open-armed with him. He said he hopes that democracy can come to his country. He also heard uh, the Prime Minister Netanyahu speak at the official Holocaust ceremony on Monday night, in which he again denounced Iran, the uh, clerical regime there. He again, as he's done many times, compared it to ancient Persia and Haman's attempt to wipe out the Jewish people. He said, we 
today have another Nazi uh, regime on earth, as it were, that's uh, determined to wipe us out, and that is Iran. And Pahlavi was listening very carefully to that speech and afterwards said that he endorsed what had been said. And this, if to confirm that Iran is still feeling that way, the President Ibrahim Raisi gave a speech that same day, Holocaust Memorial Day, but of course not because of that, it was their National Army Day, and he said, and I'm quoting, any tiny action against our country will prompt a harsh answer from army forces, which will be accompanied by the destruction of Haifa and Tel Aviv. So once again, the Iranian regime is vowing, and this time any tiny action, of course, Israel has been in the news, has been reported that the Netanyahu government is uh, planning more action in Syria against Iranian forces there after these rockets came from there and from nearby Lebanon during Passover. And on Thursday, the Defense Minister Gallant of Israel announced that Israel has been not only carrying out airstrikes against Iranian positions in Syria and some Syrian positions supporting them, but has doubled the number of those strikes this year alone in the first four months of this year alone. So that's the first, as I can recall, formal admission from an Israeli leader that these strikes are indeed taking place. Everyone's known it, but uh, there it is, and that they're being stepped up. And of course, that's because of what we talked about last week. Iran's been using aid to these earthquake victims in northern Syria to bring in a lot more weapons than they were doing before in air flight. So the situation continues very tense between Israel and Syria, with now fighting going on to the southwest in Sudan as well, and tensions all over the area. Certainly is, David, and we continue to follow that uh, situation. The Essentially, the Cold War between uh, Israel and Iranian proxies that may precipitate a hot war here in the future. Well, we continue to look at this. You mentioned that Israel had Holocaust Remembrance Day this past week, which is a very emotional time in Israel, and I'm sure you have many stories about being there during that time, as do I. But uh, as we look forward, this week we're going to have Memorial Day, where they remember the soldiers that have fallen protecting Israel. They remember victims of terrorists. And that's followed by Independence Day. So a very emotional couple weeks here in Israel, but with all of the political chaos that has been taking place in Israel, the protest over the judicial overhaul and those different things, is the country coming together at this time like it normally does? And how is that working out? Well, Rick, we'll see this coming week. Uh, they remembering the fallen soldiers and terror victims begin at sundown on Monday. And then at sundown on Tuesday, there's a traditional torch lighting ceremony that transits the country into Independence Day. Of course, Israeli uh, days begin at sunset. And this year, that could be an explosive a ceremony, I'm sorry to say, but the official opposition leader, Yair Lapid, announced uh, during the week that uh, he would not be attending the ceremony. He said the current government has, quote, dismantled our democracy, and I won't go to a fireworks show uh, in that way. Well, he was strongly rebuked by the government, the Netanyahu government, for that stand, and especially Transport Minister Miri Regev, who's organizing the ceremony, but also, uh, very interestingly, by national unity leader Benny Gantz, who, of course, was in Lapid's government, and uh, they are members of the opposition. 
Gantz said, no, don't make this a political event, Lapid. No, we have a duty as, as officials in this country to attend such a ceremony and not to go any further than that. And by the way, Rick, the opinion polls show him soaring in popularity, Gantz is, while the polls show Lapid absolutely diving in popularity. And in fact, they show that if new elections were held, Gantz has a good chance to become prime minister, and opinion surveys show a lot of people would like to see that. But this also came after Netanyahu said, please don't use speeches at these military cemeteries, any of you government officials or opposition leaders who will be there. Don't turn it into a political event. He said, leave your disputes outside of the gravesides. But we can only hope that it's, as usual, a peaceful ceremony and that the political divides in the country right now don't come into it, but Lapide's stand certainly doesn't help. Well, David, so many different things taking place all over the Middle East. They all tie in together, and they are all setting the stage, as we see evidence from your reports today, for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Thank you so much for reporting for us, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. You're very welcome, Rick. God bless. David, great job as always. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're previewing our DVD, Destiny of America, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Have you ever wanted to visit Israel and trace the footsteps of Jesus? With Rick and Jim's VIP trips, you'll see Israel past, present, and prophetic. Our VIP trips are typically smaller groups of 8 to 12 people. This smaller group size allows us to spend more one-on-one time answering your questions and personalizing our tour. It is a very intimate experience. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time not to only visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. We can also customize our trip for your family or small group. Please call Joshua Travel today and see how we can make your trip extra special. Call 423-821-3635 or visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. And along with Rick, we have been looking at current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Man, when you talk about Ken Timmerman and looking at geopolitical events around the world, when you look at what's taking place, what the world is talking about, then when you look at Dave Dolan and you listen to what he says, Rick, it's really interesting to see how close that we are getting to the very last days. And today we're coming to this portion of the program where we'd like to preview Premier Destiny of America. That's right, Jimmy, and we're excited to do this. This was, uh, like I said, our final project with our dad, but we feel it's very timely because we're looking at the subject of what is America's role in Bible prophecy. We talked about that in the previous videos, and we say, what is happening to America? Well, we see what is happening to America. That is also what is taking place in the world today. So many things aligning, coming together that are pointing towards the rapture of the church. That's one of the reasons why we focused on this. Let me remind you that this video was shot just about 2020 as COVID was coming into place and uh, we went into lockdown. We've been working on it over these years and it's very interesting, timely, how the very topics that we're covering 
uh, are the very topics of what's very important in the future here in the days in which we're living now. Correct, Rick? That's right. We look at some of the unrest that's taking place in America, some of the I guess I would call it anti-God behavior that's taking place in America. We talk about that and and how that could lead to America's demise, potentially. We also talk about the threats, external threats from Russia and China. Of course, these things have not changed, even though these topics are continuing to be very pertinent. Yes. Well, today's preview of this DVD project that will be out, that will be available, is something that you can use to pass to other people. And we do give a clear presentation at the end of the DVD, uh, looking at prophecy, the where the rapture came from, the second coming, and how people can come to know the Lord. So it would be a great project for you. We have a special uh, offer for you at the end of today's program for you to get this DVD and help our ministry out. Well, without further delay, let's get into the preview of The Destiny of America. God established America with a purpose in mind to have the prophetic scenario of God's Word come to fulfillment. But the United States is not mentioned in Bible prophecy. Since America is not mentioned in Bible prophecy, we must ask a question. How does it disappear? The Communist Party dissolved in Russia, but that effort to weaken America did not. When I go and travel and speak, I ask the question, how many of you have heard that Islam is a religion of peace? Everybody raises their hand. We are in the midst of a spiritual war. We only have one hope, and that is through Christ today. The Lord used a principle that he laid out through the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 17, where he said, the Lord will put into the hearts and minds political leaders to make decisions that will set in place the prophetic scenario for the end times. Having established that the United States is not in Bible prophecy, we had to say, well, where is the United States or how does it disappear? the first possibility of an internal threat could be insurrection, a violent uprising against authority or government. The United States of America is unraveling for all the world to see as race riots leave many of the nation's biggest cities burning in almost unimaginable scenes. In the summer of 2020, we had all of these riots and looting and burning after the George Floyd death. People have a constitutional right to demonstrate. They have a constitutional right to speak their opinion, their views, even if they're not popular and even if they're hateful. What we have today with Black Lives Matter and Antifa, as many politicians have said, this is not demonstrations. This is anarchy. And in fact, what many of them are involved in is treason, subversion, because what they're trying to do is overthrow our government, our form of government, a constitutional republic based on the law of the divine, private property, private ownership, and move us to a Marxist or socialist system of big government where government is in charge of everything and government becomes the God of the people. And if we had an FBI that wasn't as corrupt as the people on the street, they would be prosecuting these people under the federal law. But sadly, now we have the CIA, the FBI, the DHS, many of these agencies themselves 
are involved in treason, subversion, lawlessness. So instead of pitting people against each other over economics, what they started to do is pit each other over people groups. So now we're gonna make everybody that's a Christian or a capitalist or embraces a Judeo-Christian worldview out to be a racist. What they have done is they have taken race and they've weaponized race. As Christians, we believe the Bible says in Acts that we are of one blood. There's only one race, the human race, okay? There are many people groups, but only one race, the human race. Black lives matter, of course they do. But if you say all lives matter, we're now supposedly being a racist. And who wants to be called a racist? So if you are for national sovereignty, borders, then what they'll say is, well, you want to keep brown people out. The fact is, the women and children at the border are not a security threat. They are a humanitarian challenge, a challenge that President Trump's own cruel and counterproductive policies have only deepened. These are basically lies uh, supported more than anything else by prejudice, namely racism and xenophobia. So everything they do, they couch in race so that people will sit down and shut up. And that's how communism always takes over. The American people know these names have to go. These names are white supremacists that uh, said terrible things about our country. This is like over 100 years after World War II. The majority have been intimidated into silence. And the only way to stop that is to fight back with the truth. Truth is the kryptonite to the brainwashing operation, the psychological warfare, the disinformation. People have to get where they don't care what's said about them. If you can't stand up to words and insults, how are you gonna stand up to what's coming? According to our experts, America could collapse through infiltration. And there are two major subversive threats to America. That would be Russia and China. First, we'll look at Russia. Could Russia overthrow America? Russia is the only country militarily somewhat on a par with America today. This is purely because the Russians have nuclear weapons. What we've seen is a steady advance of Russian influence in the Middle East. Now remember, if you go back to the 80s, Russia was there, right? Russia was in Syria, Russia was in Iraq, uh, Russia was in Libya. They had allies all across the Middle East. Russia was in bed with all of those regimes that were opposing Israel and that were opposing the United States. But they lost that with the collapse of the Soviet Union. And over the past, I'd say, again, five to six years, they have been building back. The war in Syria has been tremendously important for Russia to test new military capabilities, which they have been doing steadily. Uh, we see weapons being deployed to Syria to put, put them on field trial, essentially. So Russia is using the Middle East to test its military, to develop uh, new weapons, and to test them, and to expand its political influence. Eastern Europe is free. The Soviet Union itself is no more. This is a victory for democracy and freedom. The Soviet Union collapsed, and the Russians, perhaps somewhat to their surprise, uh, discovered that the captive peoples and the captive republics of the Soviet Empire didn't particularly like them. So they've had a hard time rebuilding any kind of Soviet Empire. Look at the tension between Ukraine, their nearest neighbor, and Russia. 
so they've not been able to rebuild the Soviet empire, which is one reason why I don't think they will challenge the United States. They're too small uh, and their population is shrinking. It's aging and it's shrinking. And they do not have this enormous hinterland that they used to have. They don't have these buffer zones that they used to have. Uh, but what I think Putin is trying to do is to uh, build back the Russian economy through arms sales and through natural resource sales, oil and gas in particular, and to re-cement political alliances in places like Syria, Egypt. He's moved into Egypt, surprisingly. Putin is a Slavophile. He is somebody who believes in a kind of Slavic empire. And it's never been the Chinese that threatened that. It's always the Western European powers or the United States. Under Putin's authoritarian reign, they have spent $650 billion restoring and renewing their conventional military forces as well as their nuclear forces. So they have a military capability today to wage utter war against America should they choose. I just don't believe that Russia's leaders want to do that. They don't need to. They need America to become weaker than America is today. They need America's alliances to be frayed at the edges. Uh, they need uh, America to doubt in its own power and its own legitimacy. And by the way, the Russians have been working at this, the Soviets have been working at this for 70 years. Their covert intelligence operations against us that began in the 20s uh, were aimed at a long-term effort. It began as a Russian Communist Party effort to weaken America, to make Americans doubt their system, to make Americans doubt our freedoms, to make Americans doubt the legitimacy of our government. They infiltrated the school systems, first the universities, then the high schools, and then the primary schools. And we are seeing the results of it today in a whole generation of young people who've been brought up to reject America and the American ideal who do not understand that the Constitution of the United States is the greatest document of freedom and governance ever written in the history of the world. They believe it's a document of oppression and of slavery. That was the KGB view and unfortunately it's become the, the view of the teachers unions in the United States of America. The strategy of choice and competition is a strategy of winners and losers. We need to make all kids winners. The strategy of choice and competition works in the private sector, but not for the public schools. American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weigarten, thank you for that perspective. Many intelligence agencies tell us that China is the number one threat to America that is communist China. What part does communism actually play in the collapse of the United States? The Chinese Communist Party has openly declared that they believe they have the right and the destiny to become the world's hegemon. That's the term they use, the world's hegemon by 2049. In other words, 100 years after the Chinese Communist Revolution. They believe it's almost a divine right that they have. They have uh, ambitions to take over the world. And at this rate, they will do that unless we reverse course. 
In response to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's controversial recent trip, the Chinese government fired off 11 weaponized ballistic missiles toward Taiwan. Four of them went right over the top of the island into the sea. They want to take Taiwan. They believe Hong Kong is part of China. They believe the South part of China Sea uh, are Chinese territorial waters. They have rapidly advanced their capability. Uh, they exceed the United States on three fronts, naval forces, ballistic missiles and cruise missiles, air defense systems. However, for China to militarily overthrow the United States at this point is unlikely at this point. They do not need to attack us militarily. I don't believe they want to attack us militarily. It's way too expensive and it doesn't go along with their philosophy. If you go back to Sun Tzu, you do not engage an enemy militarily if you can defeat them with other means. China's unconventional warfare takes all the levers of power of a country. So biologically, ideologically, economically, to try to cripple, to overcome the United States. China may also have an edge when it comes to how wars are fought in the 21st century. The Chinese literally have a full scope assault with the goal of taking everything they can possibly take from us. Their ability to manipulate the marketplace has been very, very effective. What the Chinese have done over the last number of decades is that they've attracted a lot of American jobs. And they've also used their access to our research and development, science and technology, our university systems research, to vacuum up expertise that we have in this country, send it over there, turn it into products, and then sell it to us. They came in and, and took pictures and measurements of all the equipment that is used to fabricate that and actually sent that back to China is what I found. And one was built in, in uh, uh, Rupang's old lab. Is that ethical? Uh, it sounds like theft to me. I don't know. One of the most significant things I think President Trump did was actually in his final days of office when he put out an executive order that forbade uh, investment by Americans in Chinese military companies. Now you say, well, why, why would we want to do that? Well, because the Chinese military companies are masquerading in many cases as civilian aerospace companies. And if Boeing and Lockheed Martin and other companies want to do business in China, they've got to invest in these Chinese aerospace companies. Well, in fact, they're Chinese military companies. President Trump forbade that. He said, no, you can't do that anymore. One of the first things Joe Biden did as president was to reverse that order. The Chinese are also raising money on our stock exchange, and they've been doing this for 25 years since Bill Clinton. I warned about this 25 years ago. And now, you see, it's not just Alibaba, it's not just Baidu or others. There's hundreds of Chinese companies on the stock exchanges here in the United States getting access to our capital markets without uh, submitting themselves to the type of transparency that makes our markets more secure than those in other countries. So the Chinese economic clout has grown over the past two to three decades, uh, and they are trying to use it for their strategic purpose. Nowhere do we see this more than in the emphasis on 5G.
And so the Chinese are using 5G to gain a backdoor access into all communications in the United States and in the West. It's tremendously dangerous. And under President Biden, they have an open door. We'll confront China's economic abuses, counter its aggressive, coercive action to push back on China's attack on human rights, intellectual property, and global governance. But we are ready to work with Beijing when it's in America's interest to do so. The Chinese are pervasive uh, in this culture. Uh, if you immigrate from China, uh, the chances are that you are going to either directly or indirectly spy for the Chinese communists. In the past couple of years, we've gone over there to Beijing uh, and people in my office. And when we come back, we basically discard all our electronics because we figure that they are, they are compromised. They manipulate our country through our education establishment. If you go back in the history of the American education system, John Dewey back in the 1930s, he brought over uh, in 1933, 34, uh, what's called the Frankfurt School. They were all communist ideologues. And so where did he place them? He placed them in the Princetons, the Yales, the Harvards, and of course in Hollywood. Hollywood has bowed to the communist Chinese in terms of censorship because they make more money in China than they do in the United States and the Western world. The Hollywood uh, studios want access to 1.4 billion people. So they censor out anything that the communist Chinese don't want in a movie or a television broadcast and the like. Arguably, COVID-19 uh, was weaponized by President Xi back in January of 2020 and was applied in a very effective way uh, against the United States. This woman apparently being taken against her will by China's newly deployed quarantine squads. A man also pulled from the apartment, forcibly taken down the stairs. Biological warfare is something that uh, has really shown the kinks in our armor. Right now in the United States, the situation still is a low risk for the American public. But then again, that could change. And that's the thing we have to keep our eye out for. The Chinese knew that COVID was transmissible and it, and it could be deadly by the end of December 2019. They kept that secret and lied to the WHO and to the United States for six weeks. They kept on telling the WHO, we can see that in tweets from the WHO up until the end of January, COVID is not transmissible human to human. That's what the Chinese are telling us. They knew that was a lie. Now, why did they do that? I believe they did it because they realized if they kept COVID inside China by closing their borders and dealing with the pandemic there, it was a Chinese problem. But if COVID escaped to the rest of the world, it became the world's problem and China could be part of the solution. And in addition to that, we have responded in a manner to destroy, to self-destruct our economy, and in many cases, our society. Left-wing leaders shut down the schools. Do you think that helps the United States? Is that a Chinese goal? Is that what they sought to do actively? I don't know. But it definitely, objectively, serves their interest. 
forcing 300,000 of the city's 1.1 million students back to online learning full-time. And I want to emphasize to parents, to educators, to staff, to kids, that we intend to come back and come back as quickly as possible. What the Chinese communists truly want is a one-party ruled United States. And the Democratic Party is well on the way to doing that. We'll be a, will we be a nation of unity, of hope, of optimism, not a nation of anger, violence, hatred, and division. Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans have made their choice. You have well-known Democratic Party members in Washington, D.C. that have been compromised. Everybody knows about President Biden's son and how he's been compromised through not only his relationships in Ukraine, but especially in China. The analysis found millions of dollars flowing to Hunter Biden and his company. A big chunk of it came from Chinese partners. Was, was it press? appropriate to bury the Hunter Biden? You're talking about the press doing the, that? He's saying that's what they did, and that is what they did. They buried the Hunter Biden story before the election because they were like, we can't risk having the election thrown to Trump. We'll tell them after the election. And, and we know for a fact that that's what they did? Of course. You no, don't but follow I mean, this. Saying you you gotta... know for a fact that that's what they did? I don't know what they did. I know, because you only watch MSNBC. No, that's not true. <laughs> you know about people on the Hill and local officials all over the nation that are in the pocket of the communist Chinese. The Chinese have infiltrated the United States uh, probably as deep as possible. We have uh, tens of thousands of Chinese spies here. Uh, we have them in the Confucius Institutes and hundreds of universities. And basically, they are a spy network there. The Trump administration emptied out a consulate in Houston because it was a spy haven being used to suck up intellectual material uh, but really, the center of mass of Chinese spying is either here in Washington or in San Francisco. Dianne Feinstein had a Chinese spy driving her for 20 years. Representative Swalwell was sleeping with a Chinese spy, and they certainly helped finance his campaign. And of course, Nancy Pelosi has allowed him to continue to serve in the highly sensitive intelligence committee in the House of Representatives. Russia and China and others, they don't like us to a certain degree because we represent uh, democratic values, human rights, uh, religious freedom, the very values that a, a Marxist government cannot embrace. Communism originates, of course, from Marxism. Marxism first calls for the embracement of socialism, and socialism is on the track to communism. Uh, socialism is where the government owns all property, uh, the government makes all the decisions for you. Uh, and then communism uh, happens because socialism uh, denies private property, and people don't tolerate that. Uh, they want civil liberties, and so government has to step in and enforce and take away private property from individuals. Now, the only reason that communist China has survived is because they began to embrace aspects of capitalism. Capitalism says if you uh, invest and make a profit, you get to keep some of that. But the Chinese Communist Party will not tolerate 
anything other than uh, complete obedience. And so, you know, though they have certain sectors of modern-day uh, communist China that are prosperous, uh, many of those are owned by government. And those that are not owned by government, the people uh, that own those companies are subservient to what the Communist Chinese Party has in mind. These people want to dictate every aspect of one's existence, your job, your education, how many children you have, what you believe, what you don't believe. Every aspect is what they have every intention of doing. They say that in their own literature. Why don't we believe them? In a freedom-loving country, you don't want to think the worst. You better start thinking the worst. These people want to defeat the United States. They'll destroy everything they possibly can in order to take over. If you think what is going on with the Uyghurs, re-education camps, massive rape and torture, they would do precisely that to this country. They hate us. They hate people of conscience. They hate Christians especially. We have documented over 1,600 churches with their crosses were being burnt, destroyed, and destructed. Well, that was a clip from our latest video, The Destiny of America. It's a very timely video. It's something that we want to get out to as many people as possible. And in order to do so, what we'd like to do is offer this DVD slash Blu-ray combo package for a gift of any amount if you call us at 423 425-6247, and we'd send you this video for a donation or gift of any amount. Well, that's a great offer, Rick, and I sure do appreciate the fact that people will support us through this, and this is a way of sharing the gospel message with others, using Bible prophecy to help people to understand the times in which we're living. Well, it's time to take a break, and when we come back, our Legacy Series with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. On today's program, we're going to conclude our study on the kingdom, that thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ from a temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Remember, this kingdom is not now in place. Jesus is not now seated on his throne. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung will explain all of that starting in Daniel chapter 7. Get your Bibles when we come back, our Legacy Series, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with my brother Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Rick, this week we're previewing our DVD, The Destiny of America. I'm so excited about it, and it is gaining in popularity. Uh, We answer the question, how does America disappear? Rick, we've got a special offer this week for those that are listening to the program today. We certainly do, Jimmy. If you go to our website, prophecytoday.com, We have this DVD on our bookstore. You can purchase it there. But for listeners of this program today, if you call in, we really just want to get this information out. If you call 423-825-6247, you can get this video for a donation of any amount. The important thing to us is that we get this information into your hands. Yes, and I think, Rick, why don't we offer also President's 
Politics and Prophecy, and Is the United States in Bible Prophecy? I think that would be a great, if you call in this weekend, we'll offer those DVDs. Make sure you call on the weekend, and we'll get it out to you. (laughs) I'm just, I'm like you, Rick. I think we need to get this information out to people because it is so very important in the times in which we're living. Well, the Legacy Series, as we continue, Rick, today on the broadcast, we conclude our study on the kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ from a temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Remember, this kingdom is not now in place. Jesus is not now seated on his throne. That throne will be on the earth after the Lord returns following the seven-year tribulation period. Then God the Father gives Jesus the Son his kingdom. That's found in Daniel chapter 7. And that's where we'll begin our legacy series today in our study, Daniel chapter 7. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and the Legacy Series. Go to Daniel chapter 7. A part of the process of the kingdom being set up, the Ancient of Days, Daniel chapter 7. This is an appearance to Daniel the prophet. He writes down what is going to happen, the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like unto the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. Now, the Ancient of Days is one of the names in Daniel used for God the Father, the Son of Man, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the favorite term for Jesus the Son. Now, notice what it says, verse 14. And there was given unto him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. I told you, it's not only a thousand years, it's into eternity future, an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which shall be not destroyed. It's forever. A kingdom is set up. This is the beginning of the reign of Jesus Christ. This was God's plan from the very outset. He put everything in place for that to happen. Do you not remember the pattern? Adam and Eve were to rule the first kingdom that Jesus set up. Isn't that interesting? At the rapture of the church, we get married to Jesus Christ. The first kingdom had the first Adam and his wife rule over it. The eternal kingdom will have the last Adam and his wife rule over it. Because I am the bride, you we that know Christ is Savior, the bride of Christ. We're married to Jesus Christ. Chapter 19 in Revelation, verses 7, 8, and 9. We're married to Christ. And then we go into the kingdom to rule and reign like that first kingdom which was set up. We rule and reign with him. By the way, that first kingdom, what well, was the place of its headquarters? Garden of Eden. And so thus, to be consistent... This kingdom will be ruled and reigned over from the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden? I thought the Garden of Eden was over in Iraq between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. Oh, who said the Garden of Eden was over in Iraq between the Tigris and the Euphrates River? Go back to Genesis. Let me show you where the Garden of Eden is. Modern day Iraq, the location for Babylon, that kingdom that's going to be destroyed, that Antichrist rules over in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. Jesus is going to destroy it in one hour. That's certainly not the place where he's going to set up his headquarters. That's a hellhole. He's going to rule and reign from the Garden of Eden like he established the kingdom in the beginning with the first Adam and his wife Eve. 
the last Adam and his wife, the church, will rule and reign. The pattern was set and the place was set in the Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden is the Temple Mount in the city of Jerusalem. It's always been, always will be. Where did he get that from, Dion? Well, for 5,772 years, the Jewish people have believed it. It's this 5772 in the Jewish calendar. You know what their New Year's Day is? Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah in Hebrew. Rosh, chief, Shana, year. First of the year. And what do they do on Rosh Hashanah? They take up their shofars or their trumpets. They go to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and they blow a solemn assembly. That's Matthew 24. Remember I said when he comes back, the trumpet is sounded there in Jerusalem, calling a solemn assembly. Why to Jerusalem? Why do they blow the trumpets? Because they're in celebration of the new year. Year one, they went and started Honoring the Lord at the Garden of Eden. Oh, it was shut up so Adam and Eve couldn't get into it. You know that dome of the rock? Underneath it is called the foundation stone. Foundation of what? It's the location where God created Adam and Eve. Just go ask any Jewish scholar. We Christians are Johnny-come-latelys. I don't know where in the world we got the ideas over there in the rock. The hellhole of the world. The hellhole of the future. You know what? Let me tell you something. Not only the Jews, but the Muslims. I had an appointment to do a television interview with Sheikh Sabri. He is the Mufti of Jerusalem, highest ranking Muslim cleric controlling the Temple Mount. His statement had been there had never been a Jew on the Temple Mount. There was never a presence of a Jew on the Temple Mount. I went over to talk to him because I knew what the Word of God said. That Temple Mount is Mount Moriah. That's where Abraham offered Isaac. Man, that was, those were two Jewish boys. And then I remembered that King David purchased the threshing floor from Ornan the Jebusite at that same spot. And then his son Solomon built a temple there. Those were all Jewish people. And those Jews that went up to worship at that temple, they were up on the Temple Mount. And then Zerubbabel brought 50,000 Jews back after the Babylonian captivity. The first temple had been destroyed. They built a second temple. Those were all Jews. And in fact, my Savior Jesus Christ was a Jew. He was always on that temple mount. I walked into Sheikh Sabri and man, I was going to jump right in his face. Then I looked up and saw his bodyguard, 6'6", 250 apiece. I changed my mind. That wasn't the proper timing. But I also became aware of the fact that, you know what he said? He said, look, Jimmy, there's never been a Jew on a Temple Mount. He said that temple, he didn't call it the Temple Mount, calls it Al-Aqsa. He said Al-Aqsa, listen to what he said. Al-Aqsa dates back to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. Why do you think the Muslim Caliphate, when the Mahdi, the Muslim Messiah comes, is going to be set up at Jerusalem? Forget Mecca and Medina. They're coming to Jerusalem to set up the worldwide kingdom. Because they know it's the Garden of Eden. Have you got chapter 2 of the book of Genesis? Look there. Chapter 2. Everybody wants to tell me about the fact that indeed the Garden of Eden is over there between the Tigris and the Euphrates. I want you to know, I don't think the Tigris and Euphrates were very near the Garden of Eden. Look what it says. You got your Bible? Look at chapter 2. 
God puts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, okay? Puts, the trees are already in there. Now look what it says in verse 10. And a river went out of Eden. That's one river. One river went out of Eden. And outside from thence it was parted and became four heads. The Tigris, Euphrates, the Pishon, and the Gihon. And so someplace outside the Garden of Eden. It wasn't in the Garden of Eden because there was only one river there. Outside the Garden of Eden, there became four rivers. Pishon, Gihon, Tigris, Euphrates. Doesn't say how far they were outside of the Garden of Eden. In fact, I don't know how far outside they were. And I would suggest you don't know how far outside they were either. Because 1,500 years after the Garden of Eden was established, there was a worldwide flood and the topography of the earth was totally changed. The Tigris and the Euphrates could have been very close. They weren't in the Garden of Eden, but they could have been close. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. We don't know what it was like. But we do know. Listen, we do know. There was one of those rivers in the garden, which is still in Jerusalem, the Gihon River. Just check out 1 Kings chapter 1 sometime. David's on his deathbed. He's going to anoint Solomon as the next king of Israel. What does he do? He said, oh, my other son's trying to usurp that leadership role. He turned to his wife, go get the servant. Tell the servant to go down, listen, to the Gihon and get me a pitcher of water. And I'm going to anoint King Solomon. I've got a video I'll tell you about where the archaeologist, the chief archaeologist of the city of Jerusalem, reveals the story. We go down to the Gihon. Do you know the Gihon River flowed into the Pool of Siloam? You know what the Pool of Siloam is? That's that location when Jesus put the mud in the blind man's eyes, said, go there, wash it out, you'll be able to see. It was a holy water. The Gihon feeds that Pool of Siloam. This archaeologist has a son who's a Navy SEAL. When they were doing the archaeological dig, it's the most extensive dig in all of the world of the beginnings of the city of Jerusalem. His son got down in the Pool of Siloam. They swam up the Gihon River. They swam all the way up underneath the Dome of the Rock. And there, gushing out of the ground, the headwaters for the Gihon. That one river. The word Gihon is used six times in the scripture. That's that river in the Garden of Eden. The pattern is God is consistent. He will do what he did in the beginning to establish his eternal kingdom in the Garden of Eden. What does he say in Psalm 132 verses 13 and 14? I have selected Jerusalem to dwell among my people forever. What does he say in Zechariah 1.16? I will return to Jerusalem. I will build my temple because this is my city. That's the Garden of Eden. That's why the controversy. There will be a temple there. But let me close with this. Before that temple and that kingdom is set up, Satan again endeavors in this seven-year period of time to take over rule of the world. Once... Satan becomes the power. He allows the Jewish people to build a temple here in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. And what does he do? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. He walks into that temple and sets himself up above God because Satan, who energizes the Antichrist, said, I will be worshipped in Jerusalem, the Garden of Eden. How close is that temple? 28,000 priests are now studying the priestly duties. 
Every implement has been made and is in storage. Recently, they completed the construction of the seven branch candelabra, the menorah. They have made 4,000 harps. King David said, I want 4,000 harpists to play when the temple is up and operating. Mika and Shoshana Harari. He has made 4,000 harps. I just met with him the other day. He says, when the Messiah comes, we'll turn all of this work over to him. I heard that the Sanhedrin had been reformed. The 70 wise Jewish scholars who operate the temple. I walked into the yeshiva, which is the headquarters for teaching all these priests to do the priestly duties. The rabbi's name is Nachman Kahana. I said, Rabbi Kahana, I hear the Sanhedrin has been reformed. He said, that is correct. I said, well, how do you know that? He said, because I'm the president of the Sanhedrin. And I said, well, I heard that the priestly garments have been made. Is that correct? He said, Jimmy, my garment is hanging in my closet now waiting for me to put it on and report to the Temple Mount to start operation. My friends, there will be a kingdom. Jesus Christ will rule and reign from that kingdom. It is not now, it will be. It's an earthly kingdom. But before that, Satan is going to try one more time. He's going to let the Jews build a temple. He's going to send the Antichrist to walk in the temple and claim to be God. That temple is ready to be rebuilt right now. Indeed, the Tribulation Temple is ready to be rebuilt right now. All preparations have been made. There's only one reason that they have not started construction on the next temple. The rapture must happen first, and then the Jews will build their next temple. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and the Legacy Series. We've got to take a break, and when we come back, we'll take a look at the book and a special wrap-up on today's program, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Christians are facing increasing pressure in Uganda. Pastors regularly face acid attacks and beatings simply for sharing the gospel. In western Uganda, Muslim extremists bombed one church's Good Friday service. Teach Beyond responds to this persecution with the love of Christ. In fact, they're building a new trade school to help teen moms gain life skills and gospel hope. Ask God to strengthen his followers in Uganda. Meanwhile, the International Monetary Fund released its five-year forecast earlier this month. IMF predicts that the global economy will only grow 3% each year for the next five years. It's the weakest outlook since 1990, and it's probably not the news you want to hear if you're approaching retirement. Only one thing remains constant amid life's turmoil, and that's Jesus. Resources from Ron Hutchcraft Ministries will help you grow closer to Christ, and we'll connect you at missionnews.org. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. 
be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on bookstore, or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with my brother Rick, we have been examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Today, as we previewed a little bit and we're telling folks, we want to tell others about our newest DVD, the last one that we did with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, our father, Rick, uh, The Destiny of America. When we came up with the title of this DVD, we were thinking initially we were going to call it The Demise of America, weren't we? We sure were, Jimmy, but we weren't necessarily looking at the demise of America. We were looking at, uh, is America in Bible prophecy? We've talked about that, and, and we didn't see it there, so we were trying to determine what happened to America. Yes. The main verse of this DVD, Revelation seventeen seventeen, for God has put into the hearts of men to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. That's Revelation 17, 17. In the future, God is using, and even today, he's using world leaders to accomplish his will. And our broadcast partners, if you will, they all give answers to the insurrection. Could that be the destiny of America? Infiltration, China, Russia, and Islam. We focus on those nations every week with our broadcast partners, and of course, the imminent event of the rapture, which is what we talk about all the time when we do this program. And I think as we look at this, Rick, we're really excited about getting this information out to people. We sure are, Jimmy. And of course, our dad, Dr. DeYoung, passed away in 2021. And so this video was recorded pre-2021, which seems like it's a few years ago now. But when you look at it, Jimmy, it stands the test of time. The things that we were talking about in this video, we're certainly seeing being played out in, in the media and the news in the world right now. Yes, which is why in, in our conference this last weekend up in Illinois, I stress to folks we understand why the world is doing what it's doing because we understand and we read God's word. We mm. study Bible prophecy. And so it doesn't take very much once you understand what is taking place, why the world is acting as the way it is today. So this has been a labor of love in our ministry. Today we're going to finish out the program, Rick, with a special uh, salvation message that we conclude the DVD with. Here's the conclusion of Destiny of America. As an American, you could very easily lose your hope. The Bible clearly says it's going to get worse and worse and worse. But that is not a doom and gloom message because I understand this isn't all running out of control. It's actually like a script. And things are going prophetically as they have been foretold to happen. So this is a great, exciting time to be alive, and my hope is in the fact that Jesus is our great hope. I finally get to be with Jesus Christ. I finally get to go to heaven. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. If we die and we go into the grave, that is not the end. We have a hope, a hope of forgiven sin and eternal life, free from the presence and the power of sin. We have the only hope for the world. In spite of all the threats and the persecution and the horrendous things of, you know, based on men's sin, 
Uh, we have the answer, and we ought to tell the world about that. Uh, unashamedly, we ought to be out there declaring the truth of Christ uh, in a world that doesn't want to hear it. You know, keep in mind, this is a spiritual war. Uh, what Satan and his demons do is they use lies, intimidations, and manipulations. They try to embarrass us in, in, into not saying anything. They try to manipulate our thoughts. You know, we are sinful, and we have to recognize where we've come from, but we have to keep our eyes on where we're going. And so, yes, there's great hope, uh, but that hope's not here. That hope is in heaven, and we need to share that good news with those that are lost, and there are a lot of lost people out there. God is sovereign. God is still on his throne. Every nation is going to be seated at his footstool. He still has the iron scepter that he is going to still rule nations with. And we have to remember that even though we have a period of suffering, that that period is short-lived. The Bible promises that as we're entering into these last days, into these final days, into these days of Noah, that at the end of that time, the Lord is going to return his saints with him to rule and reign on this planet. Our hope is in our gospel message. When the word is preached, it brings life. It brings hope. The hope centers of America are us, the Christians. Jesus is returning soon. So ultimately, the enemy will be defeated. Ultimately, these things will be broken. And Jesus is coming to rule and reign as the King of kings and Lord of lords. But in the meantime, let's gather. Let's be bold to share with people, with Muslims, with non-Muslims with anybody, they need to hear the truth. The truth will set them free. God is still victorious. We will not lose. We can stand on that solid ground, which is the Word of God, that Jesus Christ is Lord, is Savior. He rescued me 22 years ago. He can rescue you or anybody who calls on His name to be saved. That blessed hope is based upon our relationship with God. That relationship is not a religion. That hope is based upon the fact that you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, which is as simple as ABC. A, you need to admit that you're a sinner. I did when I was 11 years old, and I trusted in Jesus Christ. But my first step was to admit that I was a sinner who needed a Savior. B, to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He came, he lived a perfect life, crucified, buried, three days and three nights later, resurrected from the dead. We believe that, that's the gospel. The gospel is the promise of the death, burial, and resurrection, and that for the purpose of giving us eternal life. So you have A, admit, B, believe, and then C, Call upon the name of the Lord. The book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 13 says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can call upon the Lord right now. In fact, as you're watching this documentary, you could bow your head, admit you're a sinner, believe that Jesus died to take away our sin, and call upon him to give you eternal life. I want him to find me living pure. But in addition to that, I need to be productive until he does come to take us up to be with him forevermore. If you have decided to make that decision today, we would love to hear from you. 
That was Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and our new video, The Destiny of America. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.